This episode of Shootcast is brought to you by Modus Operandi Brewing. Based in Motorvale and Sydney's Northern Beaches, one of Australia's best craft brewers. Be sure to check the guys out online or why not visit the brewery when things start to open up, obviously. As well, it's a very interesting time for all of us out there in Clubland. No footy uh, coming on a month now without any shoot-shoot action, which is bitterly disappointing for all the fans, coaches, players. Um, and yeah, look, it's a trying time for everybody, but we just got to get through it. There's plenty of rugby happening, though. We've got uh, the French series, which we're going to jump into. A little bit of new news around the game in general. So plenty to talk about. Casho and Swaney are here to talk all of the action. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to Shootcast. Welcome to Shootcast. Well, we are in lockdown. We didn't want to be here, but here we are again. The uh, the disease that is COVID is uh, swirling around Sydney, and we have not seen rugby for four weeks. Uh, joining me on the show tonight, as always, Mark Cashman from Rugby News and Andrew Swain from Stan Sport. Gentlemen, trying times for all of us, but we are getting a few rugby fixes, but not not not, not so much the shoot shield. Uh, Cash, I'll start with you, mate. How's things in lockdown, buddy? Oh, listen, I you know I I, I run my business from home, so. Uh, Listen, barring a few coffee catch-ups with uh, with contacts, mate, it's been pretty much uh, same same. So uh, mm. I'm, I'm I'm okay, but uh, uh, been been good to get out there and, uh, and and do some little feature stuff for uh, for rugby news. Caught up with about eight eight different guys over the last week or two, and uh, uh, lots of good stories out there. Yeah, I've seen plenty of content coming our way through the lockdown. Well done on that, mate, and. Uh... Yeah, it's uh, it's it's been interesting, and hopefully, and as you said, mate, your life's not adjusted too much. You're basically retired, so you know, <laughs> it's a retiree's disease. Except if you get it, of course, Swaney. How are you, mate? Yeah. Uh, it's now a good time to tell you, blokes, that I've actually missed you. Um, oh. I've missed this, and yeah. uh, no. I love talking footy. But no, it's been been good. Um, I've obviously had plenty to do with um, this France series and the test matches and. All that sort of stuff. So there's been plenty happening, um, and it's been uh, very busy actually. So yeah, mm. haven't haven't really found the effects of uh, the lockdown have affected me too much, apart from the fact that uh, homeschooling is occurring at the moment, and uh, I've got to had a busy week with work. So my poor wife is um, having to navigate the um, mathematics and the basic uh, language skills of a kindergarten class right. uh, yeah. it's, it's it's interesting time trying times indeed i got a bit of that at my house my wife's a school teacher so she's doing some remote learning here and some at the school and i had my day as um teacher dad and uh we made it a sport day just went down the village green and kicked the footy for about two hours <laughs> pe teacher yeah sports day tuesday so um all good here but Casho, we'll start with the obvious. Um, obviously, COVID is a, a really challenging thing for sport in general, particularly community sport and, you know, organisations like the Shoot Shield. Um, we're four weeks into it without any Shoot Shield action. What's what's the word from the top, mate? Uh, what's the vibe? What's the initial reaction? Obviously, there's a lot of, you know, unknown for everyone right now, but um, what's being spoken about in terms of potentially restarting this competition? 
Well, the only thing certain about the whole thing about the restart is is the uncertainty about it. You know, like uh, I think uh, I think Pete Watkins, the GM of uh, Sydney Rugby Union, and uh, and Kerry Brady, the competition manager, obviously tune in every day at eleven a.m. to uh, catch up with uh, with Gladys and uh, and uh, all, all the other uh, state government types, and uh, they're, they're obviously. Uh, able to make decisions or not make decisions uh, from there, but it's uh, it's interesting that uh, there's obviously a few contingency plans happening out there at the moment. The one that I'm hearing about is an early start, uh, uh, some sort of start in uh, early August, mm. uh, playing rounds 11, 12, and 13. Mm. After that, uh, what that means is that. Uh, there is a complete round. Every team would have played uh, every other team at least once. Yep. And then from there, we're going to have a um, have a uh, a round of derbies, playing for no points. And then after that, you know, you, well, sorry, on that weekend, we go to you know, we get Manly Moringa in there. We get a North and Gordon game. Ramwick and East, uh, Para and Penrith, all, all those sort of things all uh, all happen in, in in that fellow weekend, and then uh, and then launch into a uh, a final series. And increasingly, I'm hearing that it's going to be an eight or a ten team final series. So that's that's gonna that's gonna bump up the content there and uh, mm. and give us some sort of meaningful season. Mm, that's very interesting, Swaney. We're hearing like there could be a few wild cards come playoffs time, mate. Yeah, that that'd be uh, that'd be very very compelling viewing, wouldn't it? For for those viewers on stand and and those games would potentially be on Gem as well uh, at the back end of the season too. Mm. In fact, uh, the first uh, hospitals cups games from Brisbane are going to be on Gem this weekend, so that's fantastic for Brisbane club rugby. The, the fact that they can continue, but uh, yeah, there's there's definitely some um, some conversations being had with the broadcaster as well. I'm sure mm. uh, around around how they handle the back end of this season, um, but it, it just has to happen, doesn't it? There's got to be some sort of conclusion. We can't um, we can't leave it leave it be. So yeah, I hope that uh, what you're saying is correct, Casho, because and and you know I'm sure it is. I'm sure you're spot on the money because um, mm. that'd be very very interesting to watch. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny, you know. You you never want to talk about the potential of an abandoned season, but circumstances this year, um, you know, would would potentially dictate how close it could potentially get. I mean, you got to sympathise with the mindsets of these players. You know, that everyone needs a target, and I know, I know the SAU is doing as best they can to to communicate with all the teams and players. But it's going to be really difficult for coaches and players to. Just continue to keep the training up. I mean, what does a rugby team look like after a six, seven week um, gap in the season, Casho? Well, it says something about the mindset that uh, each of the clubs sort of bring in. Some clubs may well come back fitter and better, right? Other clubs may, may sort of fall away, but uh, mm. a 10 team semi final, you know, that brings into play Randwick, South, Hunter Wildfires, and West Harbour. And, you know, listen, if 11, 12, and 13, Go well for the Marlins, you know. They could force their way in there. So, listen, it's 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 not a silly idea, no. uh, and 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 also it it just gives us some sort of uh, 
some sort of thing to to talk about to uh, look forward to each each Saturday for that uh, for the for that month there before we before we go into playoffs. The other thing that they've sort of spoken about is that giving the clubs two weeks run up before they actually um, restart the competition because obviously you know you don't want any injuries or anything like that. So there, there's there's talk of a couple of weeks before after we're kind of back into the season where we're just going to have to um, sit and lick our lips as, as, as to what's going to happen in the conclusion. So, yeah, I mean, who knows when they'll relaunch it and who knows when we'll finish if, mm. if that's the case because uh, we could be looking at, you know, a December finish or something like that. Well, grounds ground availability is going to be another issue. I'm sure that's being talked about, Casho, at the top level. Yeah, yeah, very much so. You know, you've, you, you've, got, uh, you've got grounds like North Sydney Oval, uh, you've got uh, Manly Oval there, you know, some of the other, uh, Dremoyne Oval for West Harbour. That's you know, they're, uh, they're, they're first uh, first class cricket grounds and uh, uh, cricket cricket pays the uh, pays the bills. So, uh, mm. yeah, listen, they've, uh, they've probably got to get this out of the way by uh, the very latest, probably the first or the second week of October. And the other factor in this is is you probably want your... Um, uh, your uh, Waratah squad players involved as, as much as they possibly can because they obviously want to wipe away uh, uh, some of the uh, some of the bad vibes that they got uh, by uh, by not racking up a win uh, during the year. Sure the, other thing, the, the other thing I've heard, boys, is that uh, perhaps after the uh, after the shoot shield, we go into uh, we get some uh, selections done uh, for Sydney. And New South Wales country, mm. there's a playoff game between Sydney and country. Same thing happens in Brisbane, and then we uh, then we have some sort of national championship uh, game there just to uh, finish things off. Oh, now you're talking, Casho, mm. Mama. I, I bet you, I bet you, DC, the new Waratahs coach Darren Coleman, uh, who's back at the end of August, to want to see his players playing footy at the back end of this year as well, so he can get a look at them. Um, you know, going into Super Rugby uh, 2022. So, yeah, there's there's all sorts of reasons why this has to happen, right? Yeah. And, and also, Swaney, obviously the, uh, the, the the content there for the good people who subscribe to Stan. Absolutely, mate. Right now, Brisbane Club Rugby is getting huge numbers. <laughs> um, <laughs> not, to, not to mention Wales, Argentina, Georgia, Scotland, the Lions Tour, uh, All Blacks Fiji's been absolutely rating its uh, behind off. So, mm. um, yeah, it's uh, there, there's still lots of content there, but, yeah, club rugby is a big driver for that and uh, we need it back for sure. Oh, well, let's hope it does get underway. We're all desperate to uh, get down and support our sides and, um, you know, hopefully they can just get on the paddock and, and we can watch on the stand as soon as possible. But uh, as we all said, it's just a, a real unknown situation and, and that's – as is for so many aspects of life in general at the moment. Uh, Swain, you've stolen my thunder there, mate. I was going to announce on the show officially that uh, DC had been announced. Darren Coleman, now the head coach of the New South Wales Waratahs, which is a fantastic result uh, for Darren personally and I think for the Shoot Shield in general, Kasha. Oh, yeah, yeah. Listen, he's, he's got that connection to the Shoot Shield. Um He's uh, he's the man that revives things. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the Waratah stocks are pretty low at, at the moment. He's he's buying in at a good price, as they say on the stock market. And yep. uh, 
listen, he's uh, he's got the track record, you know, taken Moringa to a premiership, uh, mm. uh, taken Gordon from uh, from from the bottom of the bird cage right right to the top. Uh, yep. Uh, Super rugby is a different environment, so uh, you know, let's hope he can uh, he can create do some miracles once again. Yeah. I liked his. Um... His initial press conference with the Waratahs is very candid um, and colourful, which is the guy that we, we know he is. Um, you know, but he really wants to see the Waratahs back to their winning ways, as I'm sure any uh, new coach arriving at a franchise will say and, and will want. Um, but he was sort of saying how he wants to see the pubs flying around Moore Park again, which would be great. It, it does excite uh, the rugby fan against Swanee to see the Waratahs potentially, you know, aiming for that success and talking so openly about where they want to go. Yeah, absolutely. There's just got to be some sort of hope, doesn't there? And um, mm. Darren Coleman, uh, and I'm sure he'll be listening to this on his ride through the Venice Canals to uh, mm. work with the Giltinis on the back end of the season. Um, you know, he, he's a guy who can provide that hope. Um, and he, you know, as we've said, he, he, there's no one who knows the New South Wales rugby landscape better than him. Um, so, mm. yeah. I think uh, I think there's there'd be a lot of excited uh, youngsters um, in that Waratah squad as well. I think who you know who might actually uh, be able to reach their potential. Um, mm. You know, not that they weren't going to with the with the current um, with the coaching staff, the past coaching staff, but this is this is a this is a really good opportunity to for New South Wales to you know re-engage with. Their their roots um, with their fan base, um, you know, the, the there's been a real disconnect, hasn't there, for so long with the Shoot Shield. Um, so they can definitely um, draw that line back and uh, put it in permanent marker. I reckon it's um, it's going to be fantastic for for the game in this state. Yeah, it's going to be the last Waratahs coach to actually make a point of having a of having a direct connection to the Shoot Shield was Ewan McKenzie. I remember he used to go out of his way to actually uh, get to footy games, to talk to people, to actually go to the dinners, go to training, all, all that sort of stuff. And uh, that's considered to, to be one of the more successful eras of uh, Waratahs rugby, you know, 30-odd thousand there most uh, every second Saturday at the Sydney Footy Stadium. So let's hope the turnaround is as significant as that. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it all translates, whether, you know, success will bring the crowds back. Obviously, there's a view about rugby more so in general, but, you know, you're not going to get a better person to unify the game from that position as head coach. I mean, it's not Darren's job to, you know, bring the whole, sort out the whole situation with the state in terms of pathway, in terms of all that. It's a lot of pressure. His job's to win football games, obviously, but by his persona, who he is and, and who he knows. I, I don't know anybody in rugby and I've met a lot of people over the years as you have Casho and you, Swaney, but he just has an incredible network in New South Wales through all the all the Premier Clubs, grassroots, you know, his real connections, country. Coach, coach country. Um, he's He is that guy and, you know, and that, that little black book they talk about that he's got is, is very critical for the Waratahs and, you know, let's just hope – through all the good relationships he's got through the game, uh, through all aspects of the game, you know, will will we'll put us in the right stead. But, um, you know, I think he's coming in a good time. You know, they're, they're at the lowest bar. Um, they've got the stadium rebuild happening. 
Um, you know, if they can start chalking a few wins next year, let's be honest, it, it, unlikely to win a comp next year. I'm sure Darren won't have that attitude. But, um, you know, he's got he's to build the squad, and I'm glad they've given him the three years to try and do it, Kasha. Yeah, that's, uh, that's very true. And I think, uh, I think also what, what we've got to remember here too, it's, it's not going to be easy for DC. Uh, you know, as, as, as they say, this is first grade and uh, yeah. he's, uh, he's, he's really going to aim up. And, you know, there's, there's going to be times when it's maybe going to be two and four or one and five after six weeks or so. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like, um, you know, the, the SMH or uh, maybe even the Daily Telegraph might write uh, something about rugby that, uh, that particular week. And it's uh, uh, what he's got to concentrate on. I think I've said this before on the podcast is, uh, is getting the right message out there and being surrounded by some good people and just have confidence in what he's doing. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, you're right. He's going into the uh, dangerous territory as a Waratahs head coach. I think every single rugby fan in this state has uh, had a crack at one day or another through, you know, through performances. But we've also been there when times are good. So, you know, we wish DC all the best and uh, sure we're all here to support him. I think it's going to be um, really good to watch. I think, Burge, you'll find that the overwhelming sentiment is that people will want to support him. For and sure. and his And he's... You know, he's got, he'll have that support straight away and it'll be hard to lose that really quickly. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, but, you know, <laughs> rugby fans are fickle, but yeah. I don't think they're... Well, it's uh, pro sports, right? You know, that is what exactly. it is. You know, this, is a really, this is a really, uh, it's a wholesome signing for, for lack of a better word, isn't yeah. it? It's, we'll uh, be it's, there waving the flag, but, you know, the casual fan that maybe is not entrenched in their club land, you know, that they're just there for, for, for the win. And then that's, that's just the environment in pro sports. So, it's now a good yeah. time to mention I'm a Queenslander, but anyway. Um, yeah. Mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can be a Queensland rugby fan, but not a rugby league fan, although they did save some face last night. Oh, did they? They did. did they? they did. All yeah. right. Queensland well, spirit. We'll move on. Um, let's yeah, quick let's move on from that. <laughs> Let's talk about the rugby, the Wallabies we want to talk about. Actually, before we do that, could we have a quick chat about the All Blacks-Fiji uh, game? Geez, that was an absolute rip-snore of a test match last week, Swanee. The Fijians, so physical, really gave it to the All Blacks, but um, I love that last 20 minutes of the game when the All Blacks really opened up. They just showed their, their class and ability, didn't they? Yeah, but, oh, geez, it wasn't without some uh, tenderising, wasn't it? The, the Fijians... Yep. I was um, and look, the French are pretty good at this too. But I, I was uh, watching that game, and then I read something. Um, I think it was today, which I wholeheartedly agree with that the Fijians might be the most brutal team at the breakdown in world rugby at the moment. Mm. Um, you know, the French are pretty good, but they were just smashing All Blacks, and uh, it was it was great to see that physicality. Um, you know, it was great to see uh, a lot of their big names um, actually playing for them and, and not, you know, being over in France or whatever. Um, but also, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a high quality test match, wasn't it? And they just put the All Blacks under so much pressure, so much for so long in that game. Um, so, yeah, oh, gee, God forbid they, they get some uh, continuity uh, in, you know, and some regular test rugby, the Fijians, because they will be absolutely unstoppable if that, if that ever happens. But, um, no, I couldn't agree more. It's the first time that I've seen uh, 
an all-black side bullied at the breakdown for, for quite some time. Obviously, Sam Kane's not there and uh, mm. they had uh, young Black out of there playing his first start, I think, and uh, a few few of the other guys there, uh, you know, a couple of their second rowers are sort of coming back and, you know, obviously not really where they need to be at this point in, in the season. But, uh, listen, Fiji just kept coming at them and, uh, you know, they were... Uh, they're asking you the right questions, and uh, you know they're big, and they're um, you know they're uh, they're quite well skilled. So uh, yeah, yeah, all uh, all power to them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the Wallabies uh, have now played two Test matches against the French. Um, I read a good quote on Twitter. Uh, it was summed up quite well. I think it might have been Ben Darwin actually. Said he felt like the better team lost to both test matches. So the French maybe should have won week one and the Wallabies maybe should have won week two. I think that's quite well summed up, Swaney. Yeah, I'd say that's pretty accurate, actually. Mm. Um, I feel like uh, in that first test match, the Wallabies definitely got out of jail, didn't they? Right. Uh, but they were, they were. I think the Wallabies were probably the better team for you know, half an hour of that test match in, in, uh, in Brizzy in the first test. Mm. Uh, but then in the second test, I, I thought the Wallabies played with terrific tempo. Yep. Uh, you could see what they were trying to do. Um, I feel like there's there's definitely some cohesion issues and and um, you know some just some inexperience there with the option taking a lot of the time. You do look at the team, and apart from the likes of Slipper, Hooper, and maybe Toomua, Ala Alatoa, mm. the rest of them are in you know, very, if not single digits, very few test matches, yeah. um, you know, to their name. So this is a very green Wallabies team. Uh, and, yeah, look, one all sets up a brilliant decider at Suncorp Stadium on Saturday night. I um, I do feel like uh, the Wallabies went all in on that second test match to try and win the series, and that could that could hurt them on Saturday night. The French will be so up for this one. I can't tell you how for it they'll be. They are huge as well in just size and physicality. So, yeah, I'm really interested to see how they go Saturday night. This is actually really good. Win or lose on Saturday night, it's great preparation for the Bledisloe. Um, you know, the, I think that taking on the Kiwis, if we took on the Kiwis now, uh, we'd probably get smashed. Mm. But uh, if the Wallabies took on the, you know, the, take on the Kiwis in a, in a few weeks' time, they'll take a lot of learnings out of this series. Yeah, it's funny. One of the things that I thought about it was the fact that uh, they're probably missing uh, a Wycliffe Palu style of back rower. I think they were probably trying to hoping that uh, Rob Valentini might uh, might do that role of the big uh, the big rumbling back rower who who would get them over, over the advantage line. Uh, uh, Salakai Tala, uh, Lucan uh, Salakai Tala uh, was probably probably didn't get too much uh, over that advantage line throughout the test match, and they're they're just looking to get the inches that you need in a test match to uh, to actually generate the quick ball, and then it sort of all happens from there. So mm. that's probably what they're uh, they're missing at this uh, this particular stage. Maybe Angus Bell might uh, might work out sort of quite well, but you know, is he is is he up to it scrummaging wise at this point in his career? So uh, mm. yeah, they, they really need a big rumbling uh, back rower or front rower who can uh, who can who can get them from uh, from standing still to uh, 
you know, three feet past the uh, the ad line. Well, they picked Swinton for the final test on Saturday, which is probably an indication of that cash. They're adding a bit of weight. And there's been a lot of criticism of the Australian back line thus far in terms of the, you know, not straighten the attack. But I, I do feel a lot of it's coming through the pressure at the breakdown, Swaney. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And the French have really been targeting that area of the game, haven't they? Um, you know, there's been yeah. comments today that, um, you know, we'll probably put a bit of pressure on Ben O'Keefe, the referee, on Saturday night to be probably a little bit more uh, aware of what's been going on at the breakdown. There's been a lot of lying around. Uh, Dave Rennie actually said it in his press conference today. He said that, you know, the the directive from World Rugby and, and you know, for the last 12 months is you have to roll east-west, right? You have to roll east-west. But you see the French, they're actually getting up on their hands and knees before they do that, and it's mm. just slowing everything down at... It um, it's uh, you know, is no good for Jake Gordon when he's trying to get in there and, and rip the ball out quickly, so that the Wallabies can play that that high tempo rugby. Mm. Um, yeah, so that, that's that's been an interesting one, but also I just feel like the size of this French team and the the physicality that they've been bringing to the table. That this this is a team of um, you know, that, that everyone's been calling a B French team, but I just. I think it's actually a testament to the tremendous depth so much that French depth. rugby has yep. has built over the last uh, couple of years. You know, the Pro 14 and the, the Pro D2 uh, over there, you know, you've got 30 professional clubs to choose players from for your national team. We're choosing from five here in Australia. Oh, so, um, you know, it's they are a superpower in world rugby um, and they're showing it uh, on, on the world stage down here in, in Australia. It's interesting you say that, Swayne, because uh, uh, Morgan Tuanui, who's, who's part of the Stan Sport coverage and uh, a very good analyst, uh, actually wrote that for the uh, for, for for the match program and and series guide. He, you know, he he went through it all there, and uh, there's, there's there's even their third division. Uh, I think it's uh, Federal, but uh, you know, there's probably fourteen or sixteen uh, you know semi professional clubs there. So listen, they're uh, they're just getting all the talent and sort of coming through. And, and you can't deny the, the way that they've gone in the under-20s over the past couple of years that they're, uh, they're picking the right people. But the, th- the thing about the French, and you could see this from the coverage that Stan Sport did, they're passionate about playing for France, and that's, that's fantastic to see. The other thing that, uh, that I thought all through this test series is the, uh, the the fingerprints of Freddie Michelak, who's been in the bubble with uh, with the team, and uh, he's obviously making uh, making a fair difference there. So uh, mm. interesting, um, you know, the uh, the Frenchman from uh, from the Shires having a difference uh, on the international <laughs> stage. Yeah, I thought okay. I thought the second test uh, was a far better match than the first game. What do you think of? Gordon. I mean, um, obviously we know Jake really well through his shoot shield. Uh, I was surprised he got the nod to start the series ahead of McDermott, to be honest. Um, I know he's been exceptional on that Waratah side that hasn't done so well, and we know how good an athlete he has, but he's been a little topsy-turvy thus far, Swaney, and uh, I see McDermott has been given the third test. I'm not sure how much that's rotation, how much that's a change, but were you surprised that he got the nod ahead of McDermott to start the series? Uh, yeah, initially. However, and Dave Rennie made the point of this as well when he when he explained the selection. I do think that Tate McDermott still 
um, you know, in his, he's still a young bloke and, and yeah. he's, there's still a few core scrum half things yeah. that he needs to add to his game. I, I, I still feel sometimes he can't hit the, you know, the mark every time with his pass, whereas I think Gordon, yeah. you know, particularly this year, was so so uh, clinical with his service, you know, he, he was so um, clinical with his box kicking uh, mm-hmm. and he's also, you know, extremely, um, you know, miserly around the around the ruck. He can definitely sniff a, sniff a gap here and there, which Tate McDermott can do too. Mm-hmm. But um, I think he just does it more consistently than Tate. Uh, Tate is, you know, X factor. He just oozes X factor. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I actually can't wait to see him start on Saturday night. I think that's that's fantastic for the Wallabies. It's, uh, but I, I, I probably wasn't as surprised that they gave Jake Gordon the, the start. I think I think um, Nick White probably had it sewn up, didn't he, before he got oh, injured? Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, and then, then it, it, it forced Dave Rennie's hand into making that decision. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, – oh, look, definitely a uh, – it's definitely a good thing that Tate gets to start this week because, um, you know, we get to see what he can actually do in a gold jersey for, for more than 20 minutes in a game. Yeah, and, and also, boys, all these guys rarely played one hundred percent, and 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 you've got to admit that uh, Jake had a knee problem going into this. Uh, there was some some real doubt about whether he'd play a role through the French series. He's done well. He's taken care of himself. He's had three weeks in camp and got there. Uh, you know, he was probably in his late 90 to one hundred percent sort of fitness there, and uh, and and so. And sort of got through, but it, it eventually it catches up with you. But uh, yeah, listen, it's going to be interesting to see if uh, McDermott can be a starter, and it's going to be interesting to see if um, if Jake Gordon can be a finisher. Let's let's hope we're all happy. What do you yeah. think of um, Michael Hooper's decision not to take points quite a few times in that match? And it has been a hallmark of his captaincy, hasn't it, Swaney? Mate, it's it's something that. Um always comes back as a, as a topic of discussion. It always comes back to bite the Wallabies. Um, it really does. You know, there was, I think, um, I, I just, I actually had some some numbers on this because it's something that we've wanted to talk about. But, um, you know, there's, there's um, I think, no, no team's actually missed a penalty goal yet. Yeah. Um, in the series. But um, the... Uh, the, the Wallabies have, in the opposition half, kicked for touch 10 times, right? The mm. French, not once. Mm. So out of all the penalties earned uh, in the opposition's half, the Wallaby, the French have not kicked for touch once. They've just taken the points. Mm. And uh, it's paid off for them. We're talking 49 points apiece for yeah. both teams yeah. over the two yeah. test matches. But yeah, I reckon. I reckon if Hoops had his time over again and he points to the sticks, you know, twice out of the five times that he hasn't done it, um, you know, in that last Test match, mm. or six times I think it was, that uh, that the Wallabies have, would have the trophy de bicentenaire in their in their grasp. But it's like it's not. It's, it's almost like it's not. It's it, it's happened many times before. It's happened in the World Cups. It's it's obviously just in his DNA to roll the dice and. You know, uh, you live and die by the sword and those decisions. And he's the best player on the side by a mile, let's be honest. He's, oh, he's yeah. the best mm. player we've seen 
in a generation. Um, you know, all the criticism is absolutely ridiculous. Um, if he was in, you know, a vintage era for the Wallabies, he would be alongside the greats. He's an absolute freak. But there is just something about these decisions that seem a little odd, I reckon, Cash. Well, the, the other thing is, Burjo, is that the, the Wallabies' um, main source of scoring tries has been from their line-out. Yeah. So they obviously back their ability to score tries from sure. the line-out. Yeah, um, and when they when they, th- when they don't overthrow, <laughs> yeah, yeah, when they hit the mark, and actually BPA has been awesome in this yeah, series. Yeah. I thought it's a shame yeah. he's going to France. Yeah, um, but yeah, um, it's it's definitely their their um, main scoring source. You know, over the over the last little while. So yeah, I mean Hodgie's back now. Mm. You know, he'll be kicking goals at the back end of the game at Suncorp Stadium. You can bet your bottom dollar. Yeah, and, and obviously the way this French team's been selected, that they they want to knock us around at uh, at breakdown t- at breakdown uh, time. So uh, you know, you you look at six, seven, and eight, Cretan, uh, Walkie, and Jalons, and you know, listen, they're uh, they're they're competitors, and they'll uh, they'll uh, they'll rip in at the at, at the breakdown. They'll uh, try and disrupt our line out. They'll um, they'll try and move us around a fair bit. So. That's that's the key to our game, isn't it? Getting tempo to the uh, to, to the game and getting that uh, getting that quick ball away from uh, from the breakdowns. And uh, Berger, what you were saying was hundred percent right about the French uh, hanging round and um, and uh, you know clogging things up. Uh, you know, a shoot shield side Sydney Uni do that uh, do that pretty well right from uh, from first grade down to uh, third grade Colts. So uh, it works. And I reckon that's a huge influence uh, of Sean Edwards as well, the the Welsh um, coach, former Welsh player. He, he has been a huge influence on that French team in the in the last sort of twelve to eighteen months. Such a great defensive coach, uh, and def- they've built they've built their game on the back of that that you know abrasive and combative defensive line that they they've been showing. I um I thought the refereeing was a little lackluster in the last game, which 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 can happen. One trend I'm really getting the shits with. I'm not going to lie. These <laughs> caterpillar rucks, where you know you you bunker down a bunch of guys on each other's backside, and you you lengthen the space between the ruck to free up a clear box kip. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, oh yeah. I totally agree with the halfback walking up halfway up the ruck and rolling it back with his feet. He, it's offside to me. How can you play the ball through the through four guys' legs? And some of them are using their hands. I'm outraged. I I'm going to take it to world rugby. Hands in the ruck, mate. Hands in the ruck. Hands in the ruck. But also, I don't know. You shouldn't be able to walk up the side of a ruck and roll it back with your foot either. It just doesn't seem to make sense. It looks like one of those trends that just seems to be accepted at the moment. We're, we're in the, we've got the blinkers on. I just think it's outrageous. But... Maybe I'm alone. Maybe. Well, Berger, it's almost as outrageous as some of the refereeing performances of James Dolman. Yeah. You know, like, uh, <laughs> just his... Uh, his That's what you really think, Cashin. It's been pretty his ordinary. It's been pretty bad. Has, yeah. uh, has been, been, been sort of like pretty bad and, uh, you know, like he's just... Uh, Who's got the uh, pee on Saturday? Uh, it's it's yeah. We know James Dolman, interestingly, refereed that under-19... Uh, final, uh, sorry, under twenties final in twenty nineteen, uh, where the Aussies lost to the French by a point. 
Um, and, you know, he's been coming through the ranks for a couple of years over in New Zealand. Um, and, but, you know, it definitely came under some massive criticism during the Super Rugby season. Mm. I, don't, I just don't think that the quality of ref coming out of New Zealand is any good at the moment, to be honest. Um, I think that the Aussie refs are fantastic. They can't. They can't referee a Wallabies test, unfortunately. Mm. So it's yeah. uh, it's just a circumstantial thing, I think. Unfortunately, yeah. Well, it's a critical um, game on Saturday, really. I think for Rennie's reign, he's he's got to get something on the board um, heading into obviously the, the you know such a difficult competition, which is the Tri Nations or the Rugby Championship, and what format that that's going to be. But um, I think. You know, um, it's probably starting to get to that critical time of his tenure where, you know, the rugby public's going to want to start seeing some some wins and, and some performances. I think, you know, uh, the games have been okay so far. Um, probably want to start seeing a little more. And I, I say this because I'm watching Japan play at the moment and they're just playing such bloody... I know they lost to Ireland, but they're just playing with such skill, execution and speed. And I think... I think the Australian Rugby Public are looking for something a little bit different. I think that maybe talks a little bit more inherently to our problems wider in the game, but it's it's a critical game on Saturday, isn't it, Casho, for Australian Rugby? Yeah, very much so. And I I, I think it's going to begin on Saturday with uh, with their defence. This is what Dave said to me earlier uh, before this series sort of started. Uh, you know, the, the, the defence is where it all sort of comes from. Yeah. Uh, you know, cut the points down. You get a few turnovers here and there, and then uh, and then you're on the counter attack, and that's 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 what Wallaby rugby's all about, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's strong defence. It's uh, it's counter attacking. It's uh, being in places you're not supposed to be at, at different times, and uh, and scoring some long range stuff. And that's that's really what uh, what we've got to see. I think Dave's Dave's two Wallaby Test wins have been by two points. And both have been at uh, Suncorp Stadium. So there's an omen for you, Swaney. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Suncorp is a fortress for the Wallabies, isn't it? So, 78% win rate up there. So it's great. The, the um, last time the French won a series and won a match in Brisbane was 1972. I did some research on that and uh, I've actually ripped in the highlights today. So I'm looking forward to watching them. <laughs> And that was at Ballymore. Ballymore back in 1972. That's right. 14-all draw in Sydney. And then they went up to Brisbane and the French won 16-15. You, you were probably in shorts and long socks, Swanee, weren't you, with the, uh, <laughs> with the school blazer on, the little stupid cat? Not that old, mate. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to watching uh, on Saturday in lockdown. Casho and I will be... Uh, Sitting in the lounge room, I'm sure, Swaney, you'd be tucked away in a studio somewhere, uh, editing out all Campo's, uh, you know, spelling mistakes. And- Come on, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've got, a, we've got a, a fantastic coverage planned, actually, given the situation. None of us can get into into Brisbane, unfortunately, but mm. um, there is uh, the, the wonders of modern broadcasting technology will still bring you the game live and exclusive on the main channel on Channel 9 and on Stan Sport with no ad breaks. And uh, we'll have a cast of thousands, including the great Sonny Bill Williams, who'll be back on our coverage. So, Swaney, one of the highlights of the coverage, I think, for Stan Sport is, and I'm saying this in all seriousness, is the analysis of Alana Ferguson. She's, she's flicked between state of origin and rugby 
this week and she's she's back on the rugby, I hope, this uh, this coming weekend because she knows a bit about it. It's great. Mate, she is just absolutely brilliant, um, you know, it, and she's a person who, you know, by her own admissions probably at the start of this year had still had a lot to learn about the game. She played the game, but it doesn't mean you know a lot about it, does it? But she is an absolute student of the game. I, I see her in early every every day reading about it, um, analysing and, you know, talking to some of the great minds in rugby as well. And she is becoming a brilliant analyst herself uh, on rugby union. She already was on rugby league. Um, yeah, so and, and just a terrific human um, and a, uh, yeah, and, and exciting to, like, oh, I love listening to her talk. So uh, it's um, it's great to have her, her insights on the coverage. And I think it, it it does actually bring you a bit of cut through with that league audience as well, having her on the on the rugby coverage. I think you know people trust her as a league pundit, and um, so that those leagueies who, who flick over and see her on the rugby coverage will go, oh, maybe I'll have a listen to this. And uh, yeah, it's 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 been great to have her uh, on board. I've really been really impressed with her analysis, mate. She looks like a consummate professional, but the. Uh... The passing in the studios, uh, mate. That's 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 cutting edge, mate. Mate, that's you know that's what we're all about. You're, we're changing the game. Let me try to work out what a spiral pass is. I guess, mate. There was someone who chipped us on, on the socials about us talking about Stan all the time. I'm going to get absolutely lynched by that person this week because all we've done is talk about it. Okay, well, we could talk about, um, you know, rugby news or Virgil and Estate agents for the next three years. <laughs> <laughs> sure. so, mate, it's, it's not your fault. Your 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 company delivers the product. That just is what it is, Swanee. Don't, don't, don't feel bad. I'm not apologising for And there is it. no third-party payments. Trust me, there's not enough first-party <laughs> payments in rugby anyway. So, uh, <laughs> well, send me some prawns, oh, mate. Send me some prawns. Yeah, <laughs> You can, if you want to donate to the next Christmas catch up, um, we'll send, a, we'll put a link in the uh, podcast description. But, uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to the test on Saturday, boys. It's been great to check in. Stay sane. I know everyone says stay safe, but I say stay sane. Particularly um, you, Swaney, with young children. I'm a, I know what it's like. Yeah, and you, mate. It's been uh, great to chat, boys. Thanks, Casho. Thanks, Swaney.